Black Friday may arrive at the end of this week, but next week we'll bring Purple Tuesday when a red and blue Congress returns to mix it all up. Only 12 working days remain for the 115th Congress, and so how will they use them? We turn to veteran congressional expert David Hawkins. And David, what does happen in these, there are literally three weeks or 12 working days, and everyone knows it's lame duck and everyone knows the leadership in the House will change. What do they typically do in these little periods like this? You know, sometimes it's super productive and sometimes it's not. Um, Logistically, it's a strange time because uh, all the members of Congress who are leaving at the end of the year, um, either because they've been defeated or they're retiring, they are literally have to be out of their offices. uh, Essentially, by the time they come back after Thanksgiving, Uh, they set up, they take an old cafeteria, usually in in the Rayburn House office building. Uh, and turn it into a warren of little cubicles. And so it's, it's some, somewhat of an in, undignified end for these members that they, are, they, have, they have to operate out of a little cube farm uh, with one phone and one place to sort of a little, a little cubby to stash their briefcase. Uh, and that's, they don't have their offices anymore, uh, but they're still obligated to vote on the floor and to, uh, and to act like members until, until the very end of the year. Um, this year, it seems as though they're, it's a, since it's the end of Republican, all Republican governance until December, um, there is some talk of some efforts to do some, some ambitious, get some deals done. Uh, we've heard in the last few days about a uh, criminal justice uh, overhaul that has some bipartisan support, uh, that there's strong pressure on Mitch McConnell to allow this to go through, although he says there might, might not be enough time. Uh, there and of course, job one uh, is uh, finishing the appropriations bills, uh, and it's still a little bit of a mystery whether uh, how hard the president's going to push for his wall funding from the all Republican Congress before the end of the year. Will he threaten a shutdown? Uh, what will happen? So appropriations, sort of things, some things we've never hadn't been thinking of in for in a while that might get might be getting negotiated sort of behind closed doors. Uh, and then sort of clean up and leadership elections for next year. And it looks like it's not going so smoothly for Democratic leadership because Nancy Pelosi seems to have a little bit of a fight on her hands. She does have a fight on her hands. It's not it's not going to be a coronation. That is that is one of the things that is going to be happening the week they come back after Thanksgiving is the Democrats are going to have their uh, leadership elections. It it appears pretty clear since since no one has yet announced against her for the nomination for speaker, that she is going to win the Democratic nominations for speaker. The Democratic caucus will meet, uh, and it seems pretty overwhelmingly obvious that she has a solid majority within the Democratic caucus to be their nominee for speaker, which is what the Democrats decide among themselves right after Thanksgiving. But the mystery becomes what happens in early January, because to get elected speaker on the floor of the House You have to have a majority of the entire House, which means that if some Democrats withhold their votes from her or cast protest votes for other people, uh, no more than since there's a few undecided races left, no more than about 17 or 18 people can vote against her on the floor uh, of Democrats and have her win with entirely Democratic votes. Now, adding to the mystery there is the president has been saying, oh, don't worry, Nancy Pelosi, Uh, if you need Republican votes, I can throw I can insist on some Republican votes coming your way. Whether that's actually true or not, uh, I seem to, I tend to doubt it. Any Republican who would vote for Nancy Pelosi would be breaking with a 
almost a century old tradition of no members crossing party lines to vote for a speaker nominee of the other party. Uh, they would almost certainly find themselves with a primary battle back home if they voted for Nancy Pelosi for speaker. So I think it's I think it's still a mystery. But the big the climax of that story won't happen until early January. I guess to some people, she's Glenda. To some people, she's the Wicked Witch of the West. You know, that's that's uh, that's a good way of thinking about it. I mean, for for for. Yes, she lost four. She lost four elections in a row for her party. Uh, and but now she's now she's won one and she you know, she has delivered them back into power. Um, so it's easy to it's sort of easy to see both arguments. I think it's easy to see the argument that you, you really can't kick out um, the leader of your party who's just won them back, put them back into power on the one hand. But on the other hand, um, she has been at this almost 16 years. Uh, she can't stay around forever. There is pent up demand among the younger members, uh, the junior members for a younger generation of leadership. And she's going to have to move on sometime. I still think that there's a chance and we should we should look out for her being reelected as speaker uh, in January and then deciding sometime in the next year uh, that she is going to go out on a high note and try and arrange for uh, her successor as leader before the next election. We're speaking with David Hawkins, congressional expert. And what about Saudi Arabia, which is dominating the news right now? Anything legislatively possible or something for the State Department to do or Defense Department that there, you can see? There are all? a few there are a few things uh, that Congress could do. Um, there are there's this thing called the Magnitsky Act, which is actually what's sort of been invoked right now, which is going to require the president to tell Congress what he thinks sort of happened here in some specific terms. Congress could then respond with some sanctions against the people that the president believes are is, are responsible for this. Uh, there is um, there's also probably the biggest thing Congress could do was Congress could block weapons sales to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is an enormous buyer of U.S. weapons, as the president likes to boast. He has already he says that he's gotten more than one hundred billion dollars in weapons sales lined up at the big summit meeting he had in Saudi Arabia a year ago. Uh, Saudi Arabia bought $65 billion worth of uh, U.S. armaments during the Obama administration. Uh, so they're huge. I mean, this is a huge economic, economic punishment and military punishment uh, that Congress could deny, could, could essentially vote to block those sales. And then the other thing they could do sort of in that would hurt Saudi Arabia more immediately on the military front uh, is that they could vote to prevent um, U.S. forces from helping in the Saudi-led coalition uh, that is uh, prosecuting the civil war against the Houthis in Yemen. Uh, so there's three things that they could do. Whether this current lame duck Congress will want to do that or not, uh, I, I don't pretend to understand that, the dynamic of the speed with which, which, which Congress can act. As I to sort of circle back to what I was saying at the top, these lame duck sessions can sometimes take on lives of their own. Uh, that sometimes end up in, in big duds and sometimes end up in being the most productive periods of the entire two-year uh, Congress. And I'm, I'm not sure we know exactly which way this is going to go. And looking toward the new year, the 116th Congress, many of the Democrats who have will be new to Congress said that they heard about health care from their constituents. What are the prospects for actually real movement on health care one way or the other with respect to so-called Obamacare? Uh, I think there are prospects for that. I mean, I think I think it, it is an area in which, um, you know, in theory, uh, a divided government could, you know, could force all 
sides to the table to negotiate improvements to the Affordable Care Act. I mean, I think even the Affordable Care Act's biggest um, proponents have said that, look, after after eight or nine years of this, it, the, the law needs adjustments. There are problems with the law. There are there are fixes that need to be made. Uh, some Republicans have been holding out for the last few years for saying it's all or nothing. We're either going to throw the thing out and start fresh, repeal and replace, as the president likes to say, or we're not going to do anything at all. Now that there's now that divided government is back, um, in theory, you would you could have a Democratic House that passes some modest changes and a Republican Senate that comes to the table and wants to do the same thing. Now, that's that's old school thinking. That's the way it used to work. So it could just be just as likely that the Democrats will overreach. We'll try and do more with the Affordable Care Act than the Republicans want to do. And we'll have continued stalemate. David Hawkins has covered Congress for 25 years. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.